This is MPB News. Hi, this is Ashley Norwood. Thanks for checking out the At Issue podcast. If you like what you hear, please like, rate, or leave a comment. Subscribe to this and other MPB News productions, like Mississippi Edition, to stay up to date. Don't forget to tell your friends about us, too. You can also watch At Issue on MPB TV, Friday nights at 7.30, or on mpbonline.org. Thanks for listening. Hello, and thank you for joining us. I'm Wilson Stribling. Welcome to another edition of At Issue, where we discuss and debate the issues facing the state of Mississippi and how these issues impact you. Teachers in Mississippi could soon see a pay increase. Yesterday, without any debate, the Senate voted unanimously to move forward with a teacher pay raise plan. The bill is similar to a proposal that stalled last year because of economic uncertainty caused by the coronavirus pandemic. Education Chairman Dennis DeBar of Leakesville explained the bill on the Senate floor. Senator, Senator Bill uh, 2001 is a mirror bill to one we passed last year unanimously. It is the teacher pay raise. It will raise uh, teacher salaries uh, by $1,000. It will raise teacher assistance pay by $1,000, therefore going from $14,000 to $15,000, but it will also increase uh, the starting pay for a new teacher with zero to three years of experience uh, to $37,000, which is approximately $1,110 increase. And so our starting pay would be $37,000, uh, increasing teacher pay and teacher assistant pay $1,000 as well. Mississippi has long had some of the lowest teacher salaries in the nation. The Senate bill now goes to the House for further review. Lawmakers are making additional changes to their work habits in an effort to avoid a repeat of last year's coronavirus outbreak at the Capitol. At least two senators and one House member recently tested positive for the coronavirus. House and Senate leaders announced yesterday that committees will conduct business online starting Monday for the next two weeks. In normal times, it's common for lawmakers, lobbyists and others to crowd into committee rooms. Although public meetings in small spaces are off limits this year, House Speaker Philip Gunn says this phase of the legislative process is an opportune time to take precautions a step further. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I need your attention for just a moment to discuss how we're going to proceed. Uh, first of all, let me say thank you for the way you've conducted yourselves over the last couple of weeks since we've been in session. We've implemented protocols that we think allow us to continue our work in a safe manner. We have divided the, the body into different groups, into different rooms. We've asked you to wear the mask. We've asked you to uh, leave the building as quickly as you can. Uh, I think those measures have all helped us stay safe but continue to do our work. We think it is appropriate for us to implement further precautions or further measures that will help keep us safe during this next two-week time period. This is a convenient time for us to reduce the amount of time that we spend on the floor and together. Gunn says committee chairs can use two rooms equipped with cameras and computers to lead meetings. There will be a live feed for the general public as well. Last summer, an outbreak occurred at the Capitol that left more than 30 lawmakers infected. It was the worst outbreak of any state capital in the U.S. The news of a handful of new cases among lawmakers came as some, including Lieutenant Governor Delbert Hoseman, were getting vaccinated at the Capitol. Hoseman tells at issue producer Ashley Norwood that vaccinations are the state's path to normalcy. 
This is how our kids get back to school. This is how, how we come back to some kind of normalcy. We can go to a restaurant and meet with our friends. We all need to be vaccinated. I, I think that's a critical thing. And today uh, they brought them to the Capitol for all of us that are over age 65. So we qualified today. There have been some concerns about the vaccine rollout. What are your thoughts and, and what do you hope to see coming in the future? We, we need to have everybody have access to the vaccine as quickly as possible. And I noticed that the governor and, and the rest of them and uh, Mima and others are working really hard, Department of Public Health working really hard to get this out. So everyone needs to take advantage of that. We've un unfortunately, it's a, a critical time. It takes a while to vaccinate two million people. And so we've got people having to drive to Natchez and Greenwood and around. And uh, that's an inconvenience, but in the long run, it's really not. Uh, what, we'd like to have everybody be able to go down to their local uh, drugstore and get their vaccination, but it's impossible to do that with the number of the men allocated to the state. So the governor's doing his work. We're trying to get it out as quick as possible. Everybody register. There's a telephone number where you can go and get your schedule for it. And quite soon, after the 65 is over, there'll be another tranche of group coming up very shortly in the next couple of weeks, and we want everybody to get vaccinated. Democratic Representative Oscar Denton of Warren County says he has been observing how Mississippi is rolling out the vaccine. He says it's the first vaccine he's ever gotten, and he wants to see more doses distributed. We need more vaccine. Uh, I wish that everybody could have it uh, today. Definitely want everyone to, you know, to get vaccinated. It is something that was needed in the state of Mississippi, especially, you know, um, for all of us to get vaccinated when we can, as soon as possible. I know some of us is a little hesitant. I was one of those people that uh, had some doubts about it, but I think it's best to get vaccinated and be on the safe side than not get it. So what was the deciding factor for you? You said you were on the, the... The deciding factor for me was that what good would it do me to not be vaccinated and people around me are vaccinated? So, and I still could be a carrier. So that's something that I didn't want to be a carrier. I have family members that's outside of this, this state. So I want to visit them. So I want to feel kind of comfortable in doing that. So I think that, you know, I think the good outweigh the bad in it is, is the bottom line. Denton says he's concerned about access to the coronavirus vaccine in minority communities. State data show that so far only 15% of the vaccinations in Mississippi have been given to black residents, but they make up 38% of the population. The first drive-through site for COVID-19 vaccinations in Jackson opened yesterday. State officials say they hope it will make the shots more accessible to African Americans. Before this week, there was no drive-through site in all of Hines County, the state's most populous county and with a black majority. There are 18 other drive-through vaccination sites across the state. The Department of Health is reporting 2,050 new coronavirus cases and 45 related deaths today. That brings the totals in Mississippi to a little over 260,000 cases and almost 5,800 deaths since March of 2020. Political figures in Mississippi are reacting to this week's historic inauguration. Members of the state's Washington delegation were there as Joe Biden was sworn in as the 46th president and Kamala Harris as vice president. Both Biden and Harris have served in the U.S. Senate. 
Mississippi's only Democratic Congressman Benny Thompson believes the relationships they have with current lawmakers can help deliver the unity President Biden called for during his inaugural address. Thompson tells MPB's Desiree Fraser he's looking forward to working with the new administration to solve pressing challenges facing Mississippians. You know, we've come a long way uh, and I'm excited about it. And as uh, President Biden indicated in his speech, uh, we have to work at keeping uh, this country great uh, because of what happened uh, on January 6th is not who we are as Americans. And we're going to have to work hard at it. What are you hoping to see right out of the gate? I know he has talked about executive orders coming out right away. I am encouraging him to start that process, both in terms of working on those things that will lower uh, the unemployment rate. Uh, if it's a an infrastructure bill, you know, if we're building bridges and we're building uh, roads and improving highways and uh, making sure that broadband is available to uh, everyone in America. Those are good jobs, good paying jobs. So I want to help him with that. I want to make sure that uh, from the health care standpoint, uh, I want Mississippi to finally uh, accept the Medicaid expansion dollars that we put in the Affordable Care Act. Uh, it's a, it's a, something that we need. Some Republican Party leaders in Mississippi also see the need and desire for unity. GOP strategist Henry Barber says he was hoping Donald Trump would win re-election, but he tells MPB's Desiree Fraser the peaceful transition of power is an important part of America's fabric. I was disappointed that President Trump did not participate. I was glad that the that Vice President Pence was there. Um, but I, I think this is such an important transfer of power and tradition in our country. It's what makes us a great country, a free country, that all presidents, um, when they're going out, they, they should participate. How do you see the Republican Party working with him to deal with these important issues? Well, the, uh, well, the interesting thing now is, is that, you know, the Democrats have really total control of D.C. They've got the White House, they have the Senate, and they have the House. So, yeah, they have no excuses for not, you know, tackling uh, all the things that they discussed in their campaign. Um, Republicans should work with them uh, when we agree, and we should oppose them respectfully when we disagree. How can they heal this country collectively? It's going to come down to will President Biden uh, work with Republicans in the Senate and the House to, to try to formulate policies uh, that would move forward for the common good. And, and you know, that remains to be seen. Uh, we can all be hopeful today. Uh, we all know that there will be struggles. But again, I think civility uh, would be a big step in the right direction, even when we disagree on policy. If we can treat each other respectfully, uh, that would be, I think, meaningful uh, to the country. On Twitter, Mississippi senior U.S. Senator Roger Wicker said he's committed to healing the divisions felt across the nation. 
In a statement, Senator Cindy Hyde-Smith said she wishes the new administration well and that she is committed to working together to find common ground solutions. Back here in Mississippi, it's been a peaceful week outside the state capitol, but heightened security remains. The FBI urged officials at all 50 state capitals to be on alert, citing threats following the violent insurrection on Capitol Hill earlier this month. Some legislators say they feel confident law enforcement is prepared to handle any threats in Jackson. Well, we haven't had any threats that I'm aware of at the state capitol. Uh, we have really tightened or beefed up security. Um, I, I guess if you were there last week, you noticed that there were a whole lot more police and patrol there, uh, along with uh, even canine units. Uh, we had the, the German shepherds walking up and down the halls as well. Uh, I think uh, what the governor, his comment was that we are ready if anything does happen and we'll be ready. And I think that's, um, I think that's true. Uh, uh, we're on alert, I guess you could say, but hopefully nothing will happen. We, I, to my knowledge, we don't have any hard evidence saying anything's going to happen. Uh, I'm not fearful right now of what may happen in Mississippi. I'm more fearful about other parts of the country. I, I think that um, uh, we've got things pretty well in hand, but you never know. Uh, and you never know um, uh, what will set someone off. So uh, as I said a few days ago to somebody else, uh, uh, being forewarned uh, is, is being forearmed and we've been uh, forewarned. So let's get straight to the point with views from both sides of the aisle. Brandon Jones is an attorney and former Democratic member of the House. Filling in this week for Austin Barber is the policy director for former Governor Haley Barber, Jim Perry. Perry's also a member of the State Board of Health. Brandon, Jim, thank you both for being here on uh, at issue. Let's talk first about the uh, teacher pay raise. Uh, Brandon, we, we talked about this last year. It's actually happening this year, appears to be, uh, with no debate even in the Senate. What do you think we should expect to happen next in the House? It sounds like the House is going to take a tempered position. They're going to wait and see how things develop with the overall budget. I, I'll, I'll compliment Senator DeBar. He handled that bill um, very well in his committee. He articulated that in order to get up to that national average, it's going to take incremental steps. And so, you know, passing anything of, of that kind, uh, when knowing that we have struggled over this issue in years past is not insignificant. I will say that with, with that amount, $1,000, Jim, I don't think that folks are terribly excited, but it does represent some incremental improvement. I think there's a, a general agreement from everybody that we should raise teacher pay. I think the disagreements in the last couple of years have centered more around the pay for performance, the teacher incentive programs that Governor Reeves has been a big advocate for. Uh, in terms of the Senate moving now to, to pass it and the House not, it's really just a, it's a political statement of a priority that the Senate has said that this is important to us. It's really not that much different than when, when Brandon was in the legislature and I worked for Governor Barber, uh, Speaker McCoy would often pass the education budget early uh, and the Senate and the governor would say, well, let's wait until we get a fuller picture on revenue and see how all the pieces fit together. So I, I think it's not as much a matter of, of it's a matter of timing and how the overall picture can come together. So if the House doesn't take it up immediately, we should not take that as a sign that the House is not supported? No, not at all. I mean, there's, there's a lot of aspects in a very large budget. And if you pass one part of the budget really early, then everything that has a big political constituency could get everything that they want. And then at the end of the day, some very important functions of government that maybe aren't quite as sexy 
uh, they, they get left holding the peanuts. And, and that's not the way you really should put together a budget. And what, what will also happen between now and the end of the session is we'll get a better picture of the revenue and see how much money there really is available to, to spend. Recognizing also that there's some pretty big ticket items coming up in the, in the future and a lot of uncertainty about where the economy is going, how effective the vaccine rollout is going to be. And, and so you've got to get more information before you make big decisions about, like that. Some of the lawmakers, you both mentioned the, the small amount of the raise, relatively speaking, and, and some of the lawmakers indicated this was a first step. Is it realistic to think, Brandon, that there might be a larger increase uh, in the future? Well, you heard Jim allude to the overall budget picture, and I think we have got to be honest. This, the governor has proposed potentially taking the individual income tax and phasing it out. Uh, Jim, you know, you and I were talking before the show about the PERS hit that we're going to be experiencing as a state. Um, and, and, of course, we're still in the middle of a pandemic. We hope that light is at the end of the tunnel. We hope that we're beginning to make progress in that respect. But uh, not only the things that we want to do that are positive, but things that we know are challenges that exist that are just part of the business of this state. So I think we have to be honest about where that crunch is. Now, I would say I always think a budget is a value statement. And Jim's right. Uh, you, you saw some of what I thought was good value making and budgeting whenever I served in the House. For me, I think getting that teacher pay up is essential. I think it will, you get what you pay for, and we will attract better educators and we will keep them longer if we pay them within the Southeastern average. So for me, I would probably be one of those saying, let's get to that Southeastern average and let's make the difficult decisions to make that work. Um, so I understand why it's important in the Senate. Wilson, if we're being honest about political appetite across the board, I think 1,000 is probably as good as you do this year, but there will be those who ask that we consider more. Well, let's move on to COVID-19. We talked about uh, in the program a moment ago that a lot of meetings are now moving online. That means a lot of people who would normally be at some of these meetings uh, can't be there. Brandon, you served in the House. Can the legislature truly govern in, uh, under these circumstances? Certainly, there are things you can do in this environment. There, there are things that you can. We've all been a part of Zoom meetings. We've all learned how technology works. I will say that there are some rules that govern how we want open meetings to function. We, we want to know ahead of time when meetings take place that could affect our life and liberty and our finances. And so that's going to be a challenge. A lot of times, and Jim, you know this, they announce those meetings from the, how, the floor of the House or from the floor of the Senate. Well, if you're not meeting on those floors, uh, that becomes a little dicey. So they'll have to figure out some way to communicate that. And then you do have issues of quorum. How do I know what a quorum is if I'm looking across a Zoom conference? Um, and then accessibility. We want people to have access to this process to get their voice heard. That's a challenge. It's been a challenge already. I mean, for me, Wilson, Jim, I, I say they take a break. We're in the general bill part of the schedule. I say they just take a break. I, I, I think the question isn't whether or not they can do it. I think the question should be whether or not they should do it uh, because there's a measure of effectiveness that we're losing here. And, and let's, let's not discount the public safety aspect of this. Uh, there's already several members of the legislature that have uh, come down with coronavirus and that's going to affect, I mean, these are, these are imp committee chairmen potentially, you know, but every, le every person in Mississippi deserves to have their voice heard at the Capitol. And if their, their representative is quarantined or sick, how is their voice really being heard? And we're in a different situation where we were a year ago. A year ago when, when the coronavirus was hitting and there was a, a concern about, well, if we go out now, when do we come back? It's a little bit different now. We have a vaccine. You know, almost 170,000 doses have been administered. There's been a, a good number of members of the legislature that have been vaccinated. 
we just have to have a budget by June 30th. So why would you not take a break for a couple months, see if it gets better, come back, and then maybe you can actually have more attention given, not just to the budget, but to general bills, because we're not having to try to navigate uh, whether or not my Zoom link works. Uh, that's my, my take on it. Let's um, move into vaccines a little bit. Um, Jim, you're on the State Board of Health. How is the vaccine rollout going in Mississippi from your point of view? Well, I think it's important to say that if, if you had told me in October that by the third week of January, there'd be about 170,000 Mississippians who'd received shots, that's pretty amazing. I mean, it's a real testament to uh, ingenuity, uh, technology development, uh, the bipartisan nature of, of the private sector and government working together to, to make this happen. It's a, real, it's a real amazing thing. Now, do I wish that more people gotten shots? Of course. But the big problem that we have here is the supply of the vaccine, uh, which is not shocking. Uh, there, there's m hundreds of millions of people that live in America and uh, pretty much everybody over the age of 18, they want a shot. Um, and I, I think it's great that we're seeing some people that maybe were skeptical of the vaccine or saying, I, I want this, I need this, it's important for my family and, and my community. It's wonderful, but it's gonna take a little while. Mississippi's getting about 37,000 uh, doses of vaccine every week. And we have hundreds of thousands of Mississippians that want it. And when you got that many people trying to crowd through a little bitty door on the wall, there's gonna be a little bit of a line, a little bit of a wait, and, and we just gotta be patient. Uh, but I think in a couple months, we're gonna look back and say, wow, that, that's really amazing what all we just accomplished in a relatively short period of time. But you're confident with the distribution channels that we've currently got in Mississippi? I, I think the, the staff, the Department of Health, the National Guard, who's been out there really doing a, a, a yeoman's job, uh, and the drive-through centers, what's happening in the hospitals with the, them vaccinating their healthcare workers. Should, could it be going better? Of course it could. It's a big undertaking that's never been done like this before. And anybody that says you can't improve it, you know, they're, they're missing something. Well, of course. But in the grand scheme of things, is more going right than wrong? Absolutely. Uh, and I think the problem right now we really have is not the distribution, it's the supply. You know, if this past week, uh, the, there was about 50,000 people that got vaccinations in a week where we got 37,000 uh, shots, 37,000 vaccines. So clearly it's not a, a, a distribution aspect as much as it is we need more supply from the federal government. Yeah. No, I, I think that's right. You heard uh, Lieutenant Governor Hoseman say a moment ago that how we do with vaccine rollout is going to determine how quickly we come out of this. He's absolutely correct about that. We know the essential nature of this. And I'll tell you, Jim, we just have not had a federal plan for a while. And that's one thing that, you know, I'm, I'm pleased with the, the Biden administration for effectuating. I mean, we've seen a lot of executive orders. We knew those were coming, but 100 million shots in 100 days, that sounds pretty good to me. That sounds like more vaccine. That sounds like a, a good attention paid to this issue. Um, encouraging people to wear masks to the extent possible. We have stumbled all over ourselves on that. And that's a leadership question. We've known for some time now, wearing masks is the most effective way we as individuals can prevent the spread of this. And so just hearing that emanate from the halls of the federal government, yes, states, wear masks. Wear masks wherever you can. Um, and then to send some guidance to schools, some <coughs> general guidance so that we're not all doing this in a piecemeal way. I think all of those things are helpful and hopefully will help in Mississippi. But I do, I, I'm with you. I applaud Thomas Dobbs and I applaud the governor for recognizing and the lieutenant governor for recognizing the necessity of getting this out there. And of course, our healthcare workers and others who are trying to make sure that this gets 
distribute it as best as possible. Well, my hope is that we actually end up with more than 100 million vaccines in the next 100 days because we're, we're already basically at the pace nationally of a million doses a day. So that, hopefully we can exceed that. I think that it's, it is encouraging to see the President Biden talk about the importance of going back to school. In Mississippi, a lot of, uh, a lot of that's happening right now. In other parts of the country, it's not happening. And it's mostly because of opposition from teachers unions. And teachers unions were a major supporter of President Biden. And it'll be interesting to see him navigate that dynamic with, with the, the group that's really been the biggest obstacle to in-person learning in other parts of the country, like New York City. We've inaugurated a, a new president. Jim, are you dreading the next four years? Are you hopeful? Uh, what do you hope to see from the Biden administration? <laughs> no, look, it, it's, uh, uh, the, the sun came up on, on Tuesday, on Wednesday morning. It's, it's just fine. The, I think there's going to be a lot of uh, important issues to tackle. I think that I saw Henry Barber's statement that the Democrats do control the Senate and the House, not by large margins, and, and the White House. And it's going to be interesting to watch the tension in the Democratic Party between the very progressive, uh, more left-wing aspect that's more present in the House uh, and see how they navigate uh, things like taxes and spending and the Green New Deal and you know, Medicare for All and things, things of that nature. I, I think there's some real opportunities with infrastructure. Um, I think there's going to be some uh, uh, ways to make, move progress and move, move the ball down the field. Um, but I, I, don't, I think it'll be interesting to watch the tension in the Democratic Party, just like you've really watched the tension in the Republican Party for the last four years. President Biden has been criticized during the course of his career as being kind of a one-trick pony, that he kind of, he understands process and he's one of these guys that is hopeful and kind of pushes the unity button. I think that's part of why he won this race. And I think when you heard his inauguration speech, you heard consolidated there what made him kind of the man for this moment. I'm, I'm, I think we need that type of language to be coming from the top. I think we've missed that over the last four years. And I, I agree with Jim. There's no question that leadership comes with its challenges. We see that here in Mississippi, where we see rivaling factions of the Republican Party. But I think we all should take on the individual responsibility of what does unity look like? How do we break the fever of what we saw on January 6th? And I think we all have an obligation there. I, I don't put that at the feet of any one person. And, and frankly, Jim, I I've feel frustrated and angry about how misled the folks were who participated in that. They were fed that somewhere. And the folks who told them that, you know, that, that, that got them worked up, that had them believing some alternative version of events, um, that's troubling to me. And so how can we, as people that care about the process, as people in the process, do what Henry talked about? Treat each other with respect, but also deal with each other truthfully. It doesn't mean we won't, it doesn't mean we won't fight. It doesn't mean we won't disagree. But it means what's the character of that and the tone of that. I think that's going to be a big piece of the puzzle. We have to be able to disagree agreeably so that you can work towards a better solution the next day. Uh, and, and Mitch McConnell was right. A bunch of people were lied to. Uh, and we got to move past that. And, and I think that's a very important task for all of us over the next uh, coming months. Jim Perry, thank you for joining us this week. Brandon, thank you as always. And we thank you for joining us. We're out of time. Don't forget, you can watch this program online at mpbonline.org. For day-to-day -day coverage, follow MPB News on Twitter and Facebook. We thank you for joining us. Good night. Thanks for listening to the At Issue podcast from MPB News. 
If you haven't already, subscribe to get new episodes weekly. And don't forget to like, rate, and leave a review. You can also stay in touch with MPB News on Twitter and Facebook. For daily news, check out the Mississippi Edition podcast. Thanks for listening.